Toby, good to see y'all. Good to be here. Glad I'm not y'all are happy. Here. My wife asked me if I was going to talk about this on the podcast, but I guess I just will. <laughs> uh, y'all know I just turned 45. Mm-hmm. You know, I have an ungodly hemorrhoid. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just unfair. And, and I mean, I'm at 45. I've been deconstructing forever and God throws this at me at, th- at 45, like <laughs> right around my birthday. Like this happens. I mean, I, I've, I've, ex- I've played around with a hemorrhoid before. You know what I mean? I, I just dipped my You've toe dabbled. in right, I dabbled. First, right, <laughs> the hemorrhoid world. This one is like, uh-uh, no, this no it, joke. It, you know, it, it, it requires attention and witch hazel and this bats. is some boomer level hemorrhoids going on. What, yeah, it, it's some. It's, it, it feels like uh-huh. life changing. Where oh no, my body definitely isn't the same anymore, and it can't even hardly go. To, my body can't go to the restroom just normally. <laughs> like this is just unreal. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go to the doctor to get this checked out. I have several older friends than me, people who are older than me that had to have like hemorrhoid surgery. Look, you know, whenever you have a really old dog and you have to start taking it to the vet to have its anal glands expressed, right? You are the old dog now. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to have to happen to me. That's I mean, what's yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah, so but that, Toby's a do-it-yourselfer. You know, we've been right. a streak oh, about that. So I'm sure <laughs> Jess is really thrilled about that. I, I, uh, looked, I looked up online <laughs> the fastest way to get rid of an hemorrhoid, and one of them said it. It would seem as if you could pop a hemorrhoid. <laughs> That's, they're, they're, I'm oh, reading no. this, and they said, but we recommend that you don't. Yeah. But it says that there's just blood in there. I don't mm. even know. I don't exactly even. Uh, a hemorrhoid is just a, a, a. It's like a swollen like blood vessel, I think. Yeah, right. And basically. so if you yeah. popped it, it would be blood that shot out. Probably, but so and it would heal itself. It would heal itself one (laughs) way or another. But I think the doctors kind of put it back in and hold it back in and try to shrink it and put less stress on it over time. But you know, it's just it's just some. If you cut it off, it'll heal. If you pop, I mean, it'll Mm -hmm. heal one way or another. But if you can get it in the DIY sense to just, Mm -hmm. if you can just Uh manage it, well, that tissue it'll shrink over time. You can get an infection and shit. Yeah, yeah. Now the. I, I'll tell you what, the only good thing about it, I've been praying again. Yep. Yep. I hear that. <laughs> That's all it took. I mean, <laughs> I hadn't prayed in years and one hemorrhoid, <laughs> Father God, I just come to thee and thine and just <laughs> I, I ask thee, please heal me, Father. 
I oh uh, did actually learn to express the dog's anal gland to save money when I had Reggie. You did? Yes, you know, I, I, I did is... it myself. I learned to do it from a vet because I knew a lady that was that. a vet. And I said, well, can you just teach me? This will save me some money. Because I went to the vet, but I knew that vet. that, I, And then I asked her off the clock, would she show me or something? She did. Or maybe it was in the whatever. And yeah. I could do it from that point on whenever Reggie drag his around drag his butt right. around and say it's time and i you know i probably did it three or four different times to save the doctor visit <laughs> look at that are you guys is that just with... dogs and cats though like i mean a, a deer out in the wild doesn't have to express its glands it, it, humans like i don't have to right like is that just dogs and cats i don't think that humans have the same actually i think it's something kind of unique a dog has is, is it because they're de- domestic i've never seen a lion going across the sahara or whatever okay. dragging his butt, butt. <laughs> yeah it might or, or in a jungle or something, right? How like, often I mean, do you observe lions, though? I mean, you, yeah, you don't have, have a lot of hours on a well lion Discovery Channel Plus with that, that app or whatever. <laughs> but I mean, it, I, I I just wonder because our cat. The funniest thing expressing anal gland. The funniest thing. One of the funniest things that ever happened to me is, I when Jess and I first got married, we got this cat uh, Ranger, and he was awesome. It was like almost like Garfield. He was huge, like almost twenty pounds, orange tabby. Just he would just he had to be sitting on you and like, it was just such a great cat. But, uh, I remember I was in our bedroom and I heard Jess scream. Like we'd had uh, ranger for about a week and a half. She screamed, Toby, get in here. Ranger broke his back. <laughs> so she's, and I come in there and Ranger, both his bottom legs, back legs are straight out. He's pulling his ass across our carpet. I was like, with yes. those straight legs. I said, he, he his back is, she thought she had never seen it before. So she had never seen this before. So she thought our cat had broken his back and was trying to pull himself to her. It's a paraplegic cat dragon for help. Yeah. But no, it's just, he was just trying to scratch that ass. So, That's hilarious. Yeah, I know. I was like, no, he's not. I said, babe, he's not. His back is not broken. His butthole is. Oh, my gosh. So. That's something else. And then, uh, was that an anomaly, or does she she have similar anxieties about your children being hurt all the time? Oh, yeah. Was that a precursor to what was to come? Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's that's the... you know, that level you're on as a parent, it's just you're hyper oh, aware of every possible I thing. I can't you, believe how you can tell the difference in screams. Once you have kids, you can tell the difference in their pain level scream. Mm-hmm. Like there's a certain scream where it's like, ah, and you're like, ah, nah, y'all are fine. You just <laughs> yell it from another room. Sound yeah. that they can but make they, that'll pull right. you out of your chair faster than you can imagine. Yeah, there's a certain scream or no sound thing that they do. You hear something and then you don't hear a sound. And you, your body just goes into save mode. Yeah, on your like feet. Save them with, at any cost. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It looks like Grace is here. Y'all ready to go? Yeah, let's I'm do it. Ready. Okay. All right. You guys know there's nothing more that has been impactful in my life than music. And you are now listening to I Met You. It's a single uh, from the new album Pell Home by The Drowned God. If you've never checked this band out, they are a black metal band from Philadelphia for fans of like Def Haven, Converge, and Baroness. Uh, Pell Home is their second album with Solid State Records, and it's available everywhere now. So you can pick it up on vinyl, uh, on Solid State Merch Store, and Pell Home is everywhere now. So go check it out wherever you buy or stream music and follow the band on Spotify. They have amazing music on the way still.
right. Grace, Hi. can you hear us and see us? Okay, yeah. it looks good to me. Hello. Sorry, I'll finish my eating. Take your I've time. I've been running around all day, so I forgot. In my car just now, I was like, I haven't eaten yet. That's one of Toby's <laughs> favorite things is when people eat because it's just it's in the borderline between ASMR or something. Yes, yeah, ASMR so okay. and the sound of it, something about it. I can't not focus on it or something. It's really strange. Like, I just... I don't know if I, yeah, I don't even know. So that's TMI, Toby. That's a but no, no, I'm just, it could be any sound, but that that's one of the sounds. Uh, when we had uh, what's his face on here a few weeks ago uh, about our personalities, the personality test, the uh, uh, Francis Sopper, yeah, Francis Sopper on. Uh, that's the one of the things like I've always noticed if somebody's eating, I've just always noticed it like the sounds it is and what, it, what is happening. Or I don't know. It just stands out to me. So. It's oddly satisfying for some people. Mm-hmm. That's I don't know if it's satisfying for me. It's just it's just like uh, <laughs> it's something that I can't not focus on or something. Anyway, mm. this is uh, this isn't a good start to the podcast. Grace, thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Hopefully, you got enough food. Uh, so we had a bunch of folks in the BC Club, a uh, Bad Christian Club. Uh, they were writing us saying, "Hey, we, you got to have Grace on. She's awesome. Similar, her band is is just." so great and you got to have her on and i was like well i said i and this is just the truth so matt and i have been in a i guess you, most people call it a christian band for a long time our band's called emory and we were on i don't know if you know familiar with tooth and nail records and this is back in the early 2000s oh, totally yeah i know tooth but, and nail. awesome so uh but i strangely enough at this point in my life do not keep up with christian music at all <laughs> It's not, that is not something that I follow. And so everybody was saying, Hey, you got to check this out. I mean, she wrote, you know, her record became number one on the Christian charts. I was like, Oh, this is pretty interesting. So uh, we're really glad that you're here and going to spend some time with us for sure. Yeah. I really appreciate y'all reaching out and I appreciate your, your listeners recommending me. That's very kind of them. Yeah. It fits right in the pocket for us. We're something like a, you know, we've been doing something in the deconstruction like uh, mm-hmm. territory of being obnoxious to church folks for, for about five years or something like that. So the, yeah. our, the people that we've attracted, <laughs> yeah, we've been, a, a, you know, something like that, but there's a, what you do is taking it to a new level in some ways and really getting after them. And I think that's what's resonating. <laughs> you really there. pissed them off, Grace. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd like to think of it as like, it's like a, a holy disruption. Yeah. You know? yes. <laughs> What you say, unholy divine? That's a is that's a lyric or a phrase yeah. you use? Um, I don't, I don't. Maybe it came from somewhere, but t- tell me about the origin of that and how it's made its way into your. So that song, um, so that's off the first track, Bethlehem, and that song was similar to Jesus from Texas. Was sort of like stream of consciousness. It was, I think, um, one of the first songs that I wrote for Preacher's Kid, and it was like when I was just, I just had to say everything that was on my mind and heart at that time. And as a queer person, you're told that like who you are is like inherently sinful and bad and um, that people in my life have distanced themselves from me because of who I am, like when I came out and things like that. And and it, and it is and sort of it's that juxtaposition of also being told that everyone's an image bearer and everyone has the divine within and that you're meant to look for that in each person that you come into contact with, that that is really like our life's mission is every person is an opportunity to come to know our creator better. But yet somehow when I came out, I was no longer worthy of that dignity. So I became sort of the way that I think of that lyric, but I've heard a lot of people interpret it in other really awesome ways is that I, I am the embodiment of like the unholy divine. I'm the, this like 
I, I know that I believe in a loving creator who made me who I am. I was only able to access a personal relationship with Jesus when I started being truthful <laughs> about who I am. And yet that made me like an outsider and like unholy, you know, as in the eyes of many. And so that's sort of what that lyric is playing with. But um, I also, I just sort of like the, I just sort of like messing with and, and playing with in a whimsical way, lyrically with like, what is the divine and what is holiness? And what is, what does it mean when you say that something is unholy and you, and you make that uh, assertion onto another person? So that's, it's kind of playing around with that. Yeah. And I might, I might not have the lyrics right, but was, it was, is that like you're referencing, is that where you say something about you, you miss that somebody else misses out on the Holy divine and is yeah, it your dad yeah. you're talking about there? It's, I don't want to um, over assume about your songs, but no, 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 uh, it's, it's very cool to see, to like hear how other people sort of interpret it. I think that's the beauty of songwriting is like you make something and then someone else might hear something totally different and also very inspired. So it's, um, you know, uh, but I'm a child of God, just in case you forgot, and you cast me out every single chance that you got, and that's your loss, not mine. I'll mm -hmm. be better than fine. You just missed your chance to meet the unholy divine. Um, and 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 so basically saying that, like, by casting myself and persons like myself or experiences and walks of life like myself out, it's you're missing your opportunity, your invitation to get to know our Creator better. And that's, that's your loss. Do you mind if we uh, look at, would you be comfortable talking about your background and growing up sure. and getting to this point? In, in yeah. The, yeah. You know, uh, there's a, we're, we're working on a film. It's called What Would Jesus Sell? And it's just, it's basically um, about Christian music and the experience that, that a lot of artists like us have had where you kind of go into something and then think it's good and you pursue it, but then you, you know, but how that and how they get started and what you realize. And it turns out a lot of people obviously have the same experience in a different way. And I'm curious how yours aligns with that um, yeah. because you're just all over this topic. So I, if uh, I don't know if you've done all your biographical stuff, but it would be really awesome sure. to, to hear. How, you know, no, how... I'm, I'm totally an open book. I also think that subject matter is so interesting. Much of Preacher's Kid was inspired by a documentary series that I was working on right before quarantine. And we did an episode on the Christian music industry and kind of our thesis for that episode is like, anytime there's an exchange of money, compromises are made mm -hmm. and there are certain gatekeepers. So what does that compromise look like when the industry is purported to serve God? Mm -hmm. Like who, yeah. who are you making those compromises in favor of who it's not like the money goes to God. It goes to people mm -hmm. who are those people and yeah. how are they profiting? And how are some people being shortchanged literally because they are told that they are serving the kingdom. And so you can work these insane hours and you can have this like really awful, disrespectful wage um, because you shouldn't be greedy. But someone is like it's, it's a multimillion dollar industry. Someone's pocketing it. And we know who those people are. They just don't want you to know who they are. Right. Um, so I think that's a really interesting project and I can't wait to see how it um, turns out. But as far as me, um, like I'll give you a real short, fast and short version of me. Um, my dad is an Episcopal priest. So I grew up in the rectory. And when we were like seven or eight, we moved over to Belgium. And so I grew up overseas in uh, a pretty, I would say like Belgium was one of the first countries Western countries to legalize gay marriage. So it was like a pretty accepting and inclusive environment to grow up in. I'm really fortunate in that regard. 
but I remember specifically around like middle school and high school is when American evangelicals started coming, like missionaries started coming over to do like mission trips and projects and stuff like that. And that was when I was introduced to shame um, and guilt for who I am because I've known like who you're seeing before you right now um, was like who I saw in the mirror when I was four. It was, I've always known, I was always stealing my brother's clothing. Like I was always just like, like a tomboy to like an extreme degree. Like my sweet, yeah. sweet mother. I used to just throw like these tantrums, like ripping off dresses and she would like get me dressed and she was mortified bringing this kid to church. Um, <laughs> but I didn't really feel, I didn't, you know, I was always very like accepted and still wrestling with outward societal messages, but I wasn't introduced to like Christian shame and guilt until it was Americans that came over to like Belgium and to our international community. And they were kind of doing their evangelical spiel, I guess. Um, so that is when, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm sticking in the closet for a while. Um, and then eventually I did come out when I was like in my, well, I started coming out at different times to different people, but I came out to my dad, the preacher himself, when I was like in, I was like 20, 21, something and like that. And what was he oh, wow. growing up without those, the missionary people and stuff, your parents and your dad as a preacher or Episcopal pastor, yeah. whatever that is, that he wasn't, uh, didn't have that shame. They're not the same. He wasn't yeah, of yeah. the same ilk. Really different, really mm -hmm. different. Um, you know, he and I have talked a lot about this, especially recently, given recent events um, and career paths yeah. for me. Um, but <laughs> he was always like quietly affirming, if that makes sense. Like I never, the, he is a kind, good person. Like we had gay parishioners in our church and we knew about them. Like he was so loving. But I think that because he was never specific in a sermon being like, we like, you know, I, I think that's important for church leadership. If that, if you are affirming, to be explicitly affirming, to make that really yeah. clear that that's where the congregation stands. Because in the absence of that, maybe he made that decision to not make certain parishioners feel like the spotlight was on them, or maybe he didn't feel comfortable. Maybe there was some internalized homophobia. I'm not sure. But he was like quietly cool, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But as for me, what I started doing is filling in the blanks from the evangelical, like young life type events mm -hmm. that I was going to. I was like, oh, this is probably why he's not saying certain things because it isn't actually okay. And so yeah, he eventually, when I came out, he was like the easiest person to come out to. He was so happy for me. He was so sweet. And since then, you know, to his credit, anything I've thrown at him, like any conversation we've had, you know, we talk about gender, we talk about sexuality, we talk about everything. He's never blinked. Like he's always just been like, wow, I'm just you know, he's just so supportive, just so kind and loving and the best. But he, for a long time, we just, I think he didn't know because I was so secretive. Like he didn't know that he had a gay kid. And so he was like, why would I bring it up? I mean, I think many dads can relate to the fact of not wanting to talk about like sex with their kids. Yeah. <laughs> like it's right. not like he was like, I can't wait to have this conversation. So as right. far as he was concerned, you know, I'm the best daughter ever. I'm not dating any boy ever. <laughs> like I wasn't, I wasn't bringing any boys home. So he was like, oh, great. Like we don't have to talk about this. Right. Yeah. You bring up a good point because in a previous episode, I, it might've been the one with Ryan Burge that we just did, but um, I did talk about how in this area, I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee. So in this area specifically, there are a lot of 
silently accepting churches, but they're not outwardly affirming. They just kind of skim mm-hmm. over it. They don't talk about it. They're like, sure, you can you can come to our church and we won't openly make fun of you. But at the same time, if we're put on the spot and asked about it, we're not going to stick up for you. Right. Um, and so, like, I've been searching for an, an actual vocal affirming and not just like a, a tolerable, like tolerating church, basically. And it's like virtually impossible to find in this area. And so it is like a blurry line there. Um and I can I can kind of see where your struggle would be there. Like, you know, the kind of person your dad is and all that stuff. But at the same time, especially with the influence and I you talking about the missionaries makes me think of your song about whenever you said mission trips are a scam. Yeah, I feel very strongly <laughs> about that topic, but um, <laughs> but it all like comes together for me and makes a lot of sense. It's funny too because you were mentioning earlier, Grace, about when money exchange ha- exchanges hands, and also there's the real thing there. Maybe even with your dad, of it's his job too, and so what is that line that he can cross and not cross, and potentially lose his job, or you know, or or cause a uh, a stir that where people, you know, un- like you said, unwanted. So that some of that stuff is really tough because you're right. In a sense, the church is a business, and so you are an employee and what, you know, what are you allowed to say or how far will you push it? Which gets so murky because you're serving God, you know what I mean? That that, that mixture there. It's been, so a lot of people have asked since like preachers kid has come out, what sort of support I've received from CCM. And I'm really fortunate that there've been a lot of really cool artists who have just like shown up for me and been supportive and encouraging, even if they are not wouldn't identify as like Christian artists anymore, or there are still like some artists that are making music in the Christian space. But so that's been very cool. But there's also this other side of it of artists who have like privately DM'd me who are like, I don't want to, you know, it's not really something I want to say outwardly now, but like you have my support privately and, you know, keep it up, that type of thing. And that is a hard thing I think to reconcile with because it's like, if you're a you know, we can, I think we all are probably on the same page that like there has been systemic harm done to LGBTQ plus people in the name of a Christian God. Like it's like, that's, that's how this happens. That's how this plays out. Um, And yet it's not enough for some major Christian artists to speak out on, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to be like, I think this is wrong and to rather keep it private between myself and them, which I'm, I want to respect because everyone's on their own personal journey. But there was, there has been part of me that's like, how big and how many more stories do you need to hear before you decide that it's either financially in your best interest or just morally in your best interest to come out and say the right thing and be specific about how you feel yeah. you know, and be unequivocal yeah. that you think that what is happening is wrong. Right. Yeah, well, sure. regardless of even what somebody's official position was, I f- agree that that coming to somebody in a DM for that type of level of support, and I've been in similar situations where people will support you behind the scenes but not publicly, yeah. Yeah. and that's, you. I mean, I usually wish they wouldn't say anything at all. It's not really, yeah, yeah, like it it's not, like I'm not going to support it. Yeah, and I mean, there's lots of people I hadn't heard from on whatever the issue may be. 
that's okay. Uh-huh. But yeah. what, but that move is a you know that feels condes- yeah it feels condescending to me. It's like they're saying, hey, guess what? You can be gay around me, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, but I'm, don't be gay but, around my friends. But, but just as long as my <laughs> friends aren't around. As long as, as long as we're not at the Dub Awards, you can be gay yeah, around. Please me. Please don't come to my church. Then well, it's yeah, totally yeah. off limits. Please, don't, yeah, don't I don't even come know to my you. church. But you are okay with me. It's that like, just feels yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. if I'm ever in L.A., then we, you can totally right. be gay around me. <laughs> yeah, but right. not at the Dub Awards. If I'm ever in West Hollywood, then sure, be gay, but, but not here. You can be my one gay friend. I have a quota to me, and you can yeah. be the one. It, it does it. feel like a quota. There's a lot of people's behaviors that are best explained by they seem to feel guilty or something, and that's driving them or, they, you know, there's something about that where they want to know that you don't think bad of them or something. It's a need of theirs, really. It's not support it's totally, for you, you know. It totally because yeah, then because then it puts the burden on me from that first message. It puts the burden on me to then like almost comfort them that they yeah. did the right thing. Yeah. Which I, you know, as we're talking about right now, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't. I think I would have preferred, just like Matt was saying, if I didn't even know. Like, I don't want to know that you are privately affirming and that you might show up for me if a record I put out gets big enough one day. If I if I achieve a certain level of success that you can then be like, all right, this is financially viable for me to attach myself to at this point. Like, the tide is really starting to shift, which I think we are going to see the tide shift because the fact of the matter is that, like, like LGBTQ plus people have just been stripped of dignity and humanity and recognition by Christians across the board. That's wrong. That will, that will not prevail. It's wrong. And I think we're finally getting into this really exciting moment of representation and visibility and just stepping into our power and pulling up a seat at the table, being like, you have to recognize that there is alternate theology that is just as biblically researched and just as scholarly valid to be in this conversation. You're choosing not to adhere to it, and that's fine, but don't say that we don't have a leg to stand on and that we are not worthy of being in this space. So I'm excited to see that, and I'm excited to see how people come out of the woodwork when the the floodgates open, because that's what I'm excited. Um, I think we're in that moment of having these conversations. Yeah, Yeah, Those folks will, will one day reconcile what side of history they were on. So that's the tough, like, like you said earlier, I, in some ways I understand they uh, are, everybody's on their own journey. I think you said that earlier. Yeah. And so yeah. you, it may, maybe this is the first time, maybe they're just, maybe they think this is as brave as they can be reaching out to you, but they don't understand that, that, that where, once again, where it gets murky is, but it says the truth shall, shall, shall set you free. And we're talking about God and our, our work is supposed to be holy work. That is to find the truth and expose the goodness of God and his love, forgiveness and what all, all of those things. And for, for people to not be able to move past it because of other Christians, the only reason they would only DM you is because of other Christians, not them. So they're right. worried about what the right. straight Christians would say as opposed yeah. to what they actually believe. And that belief is the thing that we're, our thought, our faith is supposed to be built on, but we can't totally go there because our, like you said, our, our wallets yeah. are going to be affected. And what right. if, what if I don't get to be a, a worship leader anymore? What if I have to go work at, you know, a Home Depot or something? Uh, I mean, <laughs> but are, are Christians really willing to put their faith out there like that and, and end up yeah. working at Home Depot because of their faith in Jesus and, and what he means. And, and, you know, that that's where it gets really crazy because, I don't think people are. I, well, it's I'm, like, 
it's safe to say that's that's the system that like American Christianity has created. And so it's like you're constantly at war with I feel like genuine Christianity and American Christianity. And so you have to make the choice between am I going to honor like my actual morals or am I going to just follow this version of Christianity that sort of suits me and keeps me safe in my bubble. And even though it would, it would be assumed that people would choose the real Christianity. It's like, I think people are so disillusioned at this point that it's, it all seems the same, but the distinction is obviously super clear to people like us who especially feel like outsiders or have been burned specifically by that branch of christianity you know it's all like white western puritanical christianity you know it's very like steeped in and it's become so steeped in sort of culture ironically Mm. yeah it's sometimes people can't see the forest from the trees and they'll be like you're adhering to culture and i'm like um no like gay people have always existed Mm -hmm. we've all it's just that we haven't had the dignity um and the representation to advocate for ourselves and our own Mm -hmm. community yeah so you want to go back to when there wasn't space for it it wasn't that we didn't exist it's that we were it was criminal to to be alive like it was the sort of things where like there were we we forget i think we a lot of times have like short-term memory first of all the word homosexual didn't enter into an English translation of the Bible until 1946. So there's that. And then, then we see that coincides with certain laws about like what dress a a woman could wear. And like, Mm -hmm. I would have been arrested in certain areas of the country, like less than a hundred years ago because of certain, um, yeah, less than a hundred years ago because of like how, how I present. Right. And the same thing would go for a a guy. If a guy was wearing untraditional, like clothing and we forget that that isn't biblical that that became culture as informed by very puritanical colonialist interpretations mm-hmm. on scripture there's nothing there's i don't know it, it, it's a whole conversation about translations and context i think that gets yeah, very frustrating for sure did you have a um time of uh of of christian uh fervor or an all-in kind of thing and or have you undergone something like a deconstruction you obviously present as a very faithful christian claiming the territory for what it is but has that been a steady thing for you have you had ups and downs to get to get so where you are? i think for me i i really do not even remember learning about god i was just raised in such a christian household where like my earliest memories yeah. are of learning hymns and of praying so like my childhood was very i was very faithful and very um i just i was a really very much a true believer like many kids are i think and then as you know as i was introduced especially to just like myself, like when I started coming out and experiencing these feelings and realizing that that seemed to be incongruent with the Christian faith now, like all of a sudden it's like, Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells you so. Then you get to be like 14 or 15, they're like, but Jesus will not love you actually, for the Bible (laughs) says these reasons. And I'm like, oh no, I'm one of the reasons. (laughs) Um, Yeah. and so I think that I just became very apathetic uh, and just not really checked into faith. And I started 
I mean, the, the, the irony of it all is that like, I started really reclaiming my faith and beginning at, at the same time as that deconstructing and reclaiming, like sort of interwoven with each other. When my wife and I started dating more seriously and she brought up, you know, we, you know, we both had to almost like come out to each other about wanting to find a church that would like, we both had to be like, do you like, I don't know, like, maybe. <laughs> like we both <laughs> yeah. had to like feel what the territory is because queer people have been so harmed and hurt. My wife yeah. is not exempt from that at all. Like she grew up in a, she grew up in North Carolina in a conservative environment. And so then I, so then I think becoming more secure in myself and who I was created to be and my nature I was always told that who I was was unnatural, but as soon as I tapped into who I was naturally created to be, all of a sudden this curiosity became available to me for scripture, for prayer. Um, but it was also at the same time that I started learning about affirming theology. So it was like deconstruction and reclamation, like at the same at the same time, because I sort of knew, okay, if I'm going to go back to church. I need to figure out what I believe. What do I believe? Right. What is the root of all of this? Um, going into like like Hebrew translations. And that's sort of when the, the show State of Grace kicked off and doing that documentary series. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of brought me to where I, I won't say that I've landed today, but I do feel like I have a pretty solid foundation in faith and I have a pretty solid community um, of believers and also non-believers and support around me that makes me feel good, especially navigating the territory I found myself in now, which can be volatile. <laughs> yeah, that yes, makes a lot sure. of sense. Um, the way that you describe that, it, it's not really a deconstruction in that crazy way. Um, it's like you're letting out, out the clutch and putting on the gas at the same time. So instead of a deconstruction yeah. and reconstruction, you have more of a uh, remodeling the controlled demolition remodel <laughs> situation. Yeah, I like controlled demolition. Yeah, that was very. It's much not exactly it a like. de full demo. You don't blow the thing up and then see what happens. But that's why I'm still a lot of people, especially people that come in and are super on fire, and then they get their career tangled up. That's kind of what we talk about in the documentaries. Once your mm -hmm. career is tangled up with your fervor for certainty and to climb this ladder and get your career going and all that stuff, that's when the pressure is to make all those compromises is really extreme. Right. And you seem to have come from a, a, you know, a good, secure early childhood in a way that you know, a lot of people can't handle – doing a controlled demolition kind of thing. So that's, uh, it sounds yeah. really fortunate in that way, but I'm curious how your career or being creative or writing music, where does that come in for you in your life and time? Cause you don't have uh, records out till, you know, last couple of years, right? Yeah. Well, I'd always been writing music. Um, I like ever since I was really little, I'd always like heard things um, like a radio kind of in my head that you like tap into or, you know, drown it out or whatever. But I, again, like as soon as I started writing songs about what I was going through, like one of the first songs I wrote, the, well, the very first song I wrote was a Christian song. And it's so, it's like Walmart, Jennifer Knapp. Like it's so, so bad, <laughs> but I remember it. And then, um, actually I love Walmart. I shouldn't say that. I really like Walmart. <laughs> um, but uh, then the next song I wrote was about a girl that I was falling in love with at the time. And it was like then that I was like, oh, well I have to change everything about this song because if I have a she, her pronoun in there, then everyone's going to know it's about a girl. So I started writing songs really secretively, really, really secretively. And I started coping with my feelings in other ways more publicly. 
So through like humor and I was like doing stand-up comedy and I was doing sketches and things like that. And then um, most recently, I, again, I think it's just arriving at this place of some security and stability where I finally felt um, open to writing honestly. And that's how Preachers Could started. Like the, I, the first song I wrote for it was Jesus from Texas. And I put it out on SoundCloud just to see kind of what people would think about it because I thought it was so specific to me that no one would really get it. I thought it was so specific to what literally I was going through at the time. And so then to see that other people related to it and it resonated with them, I was like, oh, now, now as a songwriter, I'm open to every, like I can, it seems like now I really can talk about what I've wanted to talk about for a long time, but I hadn't put out that many projects before, I think, cause I was even in little ways still censoring myself, you know, even like two or three years ago, I was like, don't make it too religious. Don't, you know, there's certain things that you don't want to isolate an audience on. You want to make it palatable for everybody. And what I sort of found was that then you kind of reach nobody. Well, you don't know yeah. how lucky you are to have started your career already in the uh, whatever the the punk mindset of it all is. And, you know, to you don't have to make a crossover from like being taken as a as a cheesy worship thing and then have to, mm. you know what I mean? You got to. Mm -hmm. It's really nice that you were able to begin your career with the, I don't know what the attitude, do you have a description for that dude? I want to say punk or avant-garde or in your face it's like, or whatever. It was kind of punk. Yeah. Yeah. Like you didn't have to start off at Disney Channel and then turn into Miley Cyrus, yeah. you know? Right. You didn't have to make that transition. <laughs> That's true. But you know what's interesting in Christian music? I was thinking about this the other day with, um. there's so many bands, there's so many like hard rock bands now that, that Christian hard rock bands that now do worship music. So it's really confusing for me because if I want to like go through Spotify and like walk down memory lane of like bands I grew up listening to, I'll be like, oh, let's go see what like, I don't know, should I, yes, I, I say Yes, I am. Yeah, we'll make okay. fun of them or we'll say they're good, either one. Okay, yeah. Well, I remember being like, remember remember like Cutlass? Like what's Cutlass doing? And then I would, so I go to Spotify to be like, what, what are they up to? Let me like go listen to their music. And it's like a diff, I, like I couldn't place it. It's so different. It's almost the reverse mm -hmm. of what you were just talking it about. It's yeah. not like, it's going from like, we're metal, we're hard rock to like, but we're also third day. Like it's like, this, I'm like, what? Right. Ah. So what yeah. happened? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that one is is a really simple. I mean, that one's really simple as far as the the the, the there's demand for worship records. So you could still be a new metal Christian band that like that. And if you also make a worship record, there's lots of more demand for that. So why wouldn't it get made? Of course it's going to get made. Yeah. That's, that's but basically. do they do the old like when they go on tour, does like 12 Stones do the old stuff? And then do like the wor a worship song. Like, how does it work? Well, I think they. It's just in the repertoire they have. It's it's almost like having two acts. I think you can. It right. depends on yeah. the event. Like, you, if it's for a, a big festival on a Sunday morning at something, then it's going to be more of the worship stuff. If it's the whatever stage at a festival at night, they're going to play the rock stuff. You know, or just. Yeah. <laughs> but they could do both and get booked for both and sell both and everything yeah. else too. So, and there's plenty smart. of demand for it. And yeah, you know, it's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, there is. The, yeah, the demand for it, once again, it's the money there, right? Like, oh, wait, if y'all do this, then we'll be, you'll be able to keep your career going, I guess. But kind of it, scary. It, yeah. Yeah. Write, sure. write worship music if you want to keep food on the table. So, did you have any thoughts about putting your record out as not Christian? Like, did you, what did you think about putting it out in the Christian genre? What made you do that? So, 
I started writing, I started writing it and it all started kind of like pulling together and coming together. And then I told my wife sort of as a joke, I was like, I think I accidentally wrote a Christian record. Cause that's just what I've been, you know, marinating on. And I was joking. I was like, I'll just, I'll put it. It's going to the singer songwriter or whatever. And then she was like, wait, but why, why isn't it a Christian record? This is like very much what you're writing about. This is totally like a condensed version of your like high school years is, you know, high school and middle school is like what you're wrestling with um, in this Christian environment. So like, why isn't it a Christian record? And then some of my favorite Christian bands growing up were Switchfoot and Reliant K. And I was thinking about their albums that I loved and how diverse of a perspective was expressed on a lot. Like you'd have um, like Reliant K would have totally like a gimmick joke, fun song. And then they would also have um, like getting into you or like never underestimate my Jesus. Like they'd have all of that on the same record. And I was like, yeah, that's the the only thing that's out that that's not really jiving would be me being gay and me swearing, but topically it's all mm -hmm. Christian. It's all from that Christian perspective. That's totally what I'm writing on. And so then, so then I was just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that is what it is. It feels like the most honest way to categorize this record. Um, and it would feel like I was almost watering it down if I tried to put it in another genre, mm -hmm. you know, like it, I was trying to like excuse the Christian part and I don't want to. Did, what was there a, a watershed moment where it got a lot of attention? It was on NPR. Was that a big moment? That was big. That was, that was crazy. I think that moment. And then also when we went number one, I mean, that was like for on iTunes Christian, that was, I mean, I'm an independent artist. I uploaded this on DistroKid. I recorded it all on this microphone. Like this is the only equipment I have. So I was, um, a Bluetooth microphone. No, it's a, a Blue USB Yeti, mic. Yeah. Yeah, it's USB. USB. Yeah, sorry, That's USB. It. Yeah. That's literally it's this and like my guitar behind me and this is like an $100 guitar from uh Guitar Center and it's served me very well, but like I do not have gear. I'm like looking at y'all's situation behind you. <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, look at that gear." <laughs> that um, is <laughs> You didn't even name the guitar. You just said Guitar Center guitar. <laughs> like no, <laughs> no you didn't even say like Fender or you know any no name brand. It's no. Guitar Center guitar. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we just have all kind of boomer gear. Yeah. That's all it is. So it just, yeah. we're, we're something different. This is just relics of this kind of thing. <laughs> I would Ancient only make artifacts. a, I would only make an album with my mobile device from now on, though. I mean, but Matt, <laughs> Matt and I have been talking. Oh, yeah. Well, Matt and I have been talking about that for a while now. And even with the music that we're making, you're realizing it, we are at a kind of a neat point where the meaning and the value of the songs matters more than the production. Like you could have gone and spent way more and done this. And I'm sure you even listen back to your record, you know, like every artist that I was, uh, maybe I could have changed this or done this, but the value of the songs now is becoming ever more, uh, the most important part. Like it, it used to be oh the production. And especially even like when we were, there was a sound that you had to try to get to like in our genre, emo and all that stuff yeah. and, you, you know, you were trying to go for that, but now it really people want to hear what the song is and and you are achieving that if yeah, i had known direct. that people were going to listen to preacher's kid in the way that they have i would have played more of the songs in time like some of them are not even in time <laughs> and it drives me crazy because i was just like in this i was in like a fever moment of just like playing i just wanted to get everything out there like youth group is I, like I remember just being like oh I just I, I can't sonically create because I only have Ableton Light so I can only use 16 tracks right 
So like I, I'm really limited in what I can record. And I was working on youth group and I just knew that there was no way sonically I was going to be able to make this expression that I hear in my brain into the computer because I'm just, it's just not going to happen. So I was, I just threw up my hands and I was like, whatever, the song is done. And now it's like one of my most listened to songs. And if I would have taken, because I had to finish it before my wife got on a Zoom call. And so I was really up against the clock to, you know, finish the song and get it out on the time that it needed to be released. If I had known, I would have taken another day to like finish it and play it in time and like really try harder to like that I mean, last part of the song. I was just like, oh, whatever, fade it out. I don't care. We read your tweet, your most recent tweet, right before the show started about... um gender being a social construct and also playing in time <laughs> it's so on the nose yeah. i love it it's so hard for me it's but really yeah, hard it's, but you're just second guessing it you might have did the very best take you could have done right isn't that the magic there like you mm -hmm. did something to because you had to get this thing out of you yeah. and so that you so that's what i'm saying like the 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 art there is becoming way more now i mean like like it's raw it's you yeah which I'm, is what I, people are wanting more right yeah I'm very, very excited about the territory. I, I had some questions about the recording, but I, I don't have them anymore. You already answered them. <laughs> yeah. But but the, it's because it's not about the recording. It's about the the uh, the thing that is achieved there is I, the, my questions were along the lines of how did you choose that, the distance and the space and how things so sound, you know, weird and raw, which is a, a something to – strive for is for something to sound weird and raw but yet good enough to continue to listen to without being annoyed and so you've been able to really capture that and it's one of the hallmark values of in my opinion everything from grunge which i think we're due for a grunge you know it's, i hope so you know kind of a revolution here and i think just doing simple stuff just how it is raw as a personality it's authenticity. That was the core value in my mind of what grunge was. Yeah. It's at the core value of Christian deconstruction is just mm. authenticity. And so if, if in 2020, when people look for a microphone, there's a blue Yeti sitting there or and everybody has yeah. a guitar sitting there. And then if you can make magic with that, you've got everything because now those same songs can be embodied a million ways that will be unique from there. But they mm -hmm. haven't been overprescribed with the symphony orchestra and the best possible production, which means then when you see it, you just see some version of it. But really, the the recording's ultimate. But the recording you made is more of a window into your self or your bedroom there, whatever it is. It's like oh, mm -hmm. it's like a you get to be right there, and so there's you. It's you know all the authenticity and rawness just comes right right out. I think it, it becomes personal, both like because that's what I'm putting onto the recording but I think also the listener feels as well like oh this is really like this is a small affair this is basic I, I it feels like preachers could very much feels like a diary entry you know like some the way that I like put mm -hmm. it ended up putting it together it just felt like really wanting to be understood and being really hopeful because of the internet that there were other people who could relate to this very specific type of perspective and I think that grunge is like grunge. And I think we're seeing like punk as well kind of come back is the genre of music that really taps into that in a mm -hmm. cool way of like, you don't, you know, don't overthink it too much, even though obviously I am now because I, you know, I, I, you become a bit. Well, you're a number one star now. You won't be able to do that <laughs> next time. It's all big shots in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> no, now I'm, that's why like with the song that I'm recording now, it's like, this, it's this really like a, it's made to be sung in like a dive bar. It's another sort of joke song that became a real song. And 
I just like, I'm like, you have to play this one in time, Grace. Like this one, you have to play in time. Like it was cute before, but it won't be yeah, cute right. forever. <laughs> it might not. That's funny. The other thing I was curious about musically is your lyrical style has is really improvised almost like you said stream of consciousness earlier. And that sounds to me like Michael Stipe um, from REM is very he was very specific. And his style was to like you, like you said, it's so unique to you. You're just saying the things that you're seeing or seeing in your mind or memories as they're coming is the feeling of that. And so it gets super specific. But I always thought uh, Michael Stipe was like they just write about very specific items in his field of vision, almost stream of consciousness or just whatever. Is that, uh, do you have a way that you look at that stream of discuss that or have influences on that style of doing yeah. uh, almost like character driven vocals or something? Yeah. It's, I think that's, that's a really generous comparison. Um, but I, that's kind of how I write is really just, um, something like bubbles over so much that it becomes like a, a melody and usually like lyrics and melody sort of come at the same time in my brain and it's like a little radio and you can just turn it turn it on and like listen in closely to like what what it is that I'm telling myself it's I realize I'm describing sounds like voices in my head um which it is <laughs> that's almost exactly how it works um and uh I think the just not editing anything that you the, and like that's what I've been learning because for a long time I was really self-editing my lyrics and now I'm I've gotten better at just saying what it is and a lot of times it's really blunt I think you can hear a lot of like Reliant K Hawk Nelson influences in that <laughs> sort of like because that's the music that I grew up listening to so I think that yeah. there's a lot of that sort of whimsy um yeah. and playfulness I like to think but it's also um specific and i think i kind of can play with darker themes a little bit more than they probably were allowed to when they were like in their hey heyday but it's crazy because like your life do you ever wish like man i wish i at least in my past had like i listened to fugazi or or, or crazy but like you're talking about hawk <laughs> nelson like i mean do you feel like you're not i mean you're writing really cool music and you're talking about you know hawk nelson and the and the you know the cutlass like that well, that's your history i mean it, it, i mean it's like hansen you know or, you know mbop or something for people like, you know what i don't know about y'all but like the media around my house was christian media like that there were some my mom um my both my parents are very cool my mom had let's just say had more of a past than my dad <laughs> as far as like music my dad was like almost too eager to be like here's like audio adrenaline and like this is peak performance of rock and roll and again <laughs> audio adrenaline has <laughs> audio adrenaline has some slaps for sure yeah. but i didn't know any better you know like right. that's what right. you give me you tell me oh my god this is my favorite this is my favorite example my brother was a bit rebellious when it came to listening to music. And so he would um, like start uh, like ripping music online pretty early. And my dad found out about it. And my dad is not a guy that's quick to anger, but the, the rule book was like, okay, if your kid is listening to this, you have to give them the Christian alternative, right? right so my right. brother, so my brother started ripping music. I wasn't smart enough to do that. So I just took my Amy Grant CDs and my Rebecca St. James CDs. And I was like, yay. Um, but my brother was ripping Prince. He was like stealing Prince and Michael Jackson. Specifically, those are like his two favorite artists to listen to. And my dad um, like 
took him aside one day and he's like, Hey, I've been noticing that you've been listening to this music. And like, I, I, I wonder if you've heard of Michael W. Smith. And like, that was the <laughs> alternative. <laughs> I was wondering how you oh, the alternative no. Michael Jackson was. I was saying, who is the Christian Michael Jackson? Michael, Michael W. Smith, of course. Michael, the, 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 of course. the only answer. Yeah. Yeah. Just so, I mean, that. so it is, it is funny because now I, I sort of retroactively go back and I, I have a really wide range of music taste i'm actually pretty proud of that I've, I've really gone back and like i need to know my classics like i need to kind of relearn a little bit um but at the time when i was writing music like jennifer knapp was a huge influence for me um because i always related to her even before she came out i feel like i saw something like sort of like game recognized game maybe where i was uh -huh. like are you and how are you <laughs> um, and, and um yeah so yeah relying on hog nelson had a huge impact and dc talk i remember some of their like the way that they would stack their harmonies i thought was like whoa groundbreaking um and then one day i heard earth wind and fire and i was like never mind um <laughs> i still like i still like dc talk baby they're good so with the notoriety and and success is you've gone from being somebody with songs to uh now you have a career to manage is that the case yes and how like uh <laughs> what where's that what aspirations do you have coming from you know because it comes from such a simple place how how do you manage or scaling up or getting bigger well that it seems like that could have a big effect yeah, you feel pressure now Yes. <laughs> now that you say it, absolutely. <laughs> um, honestly, I'm kind of figuring it out in real time. The record came out on February 5th. And I think within like two weeks of that, I sort of knew my life is going to be different for a while. Not in like, an, an, I am, it's not like I'm Lil Nas X like blew up or something like that. But I just recognized that like, things that were coming in opportunities that were coming my way correspondences that i was having were distinctly different than before mm -hmm. february 5th for me um so i'm trying to figure it out and i i guess we'll like tbd i'm still in the middle of managing it but i know that i want to go on a tour i know that that's like been a big dream of mine and I'm mostly of why i wrote this record was to connect with other people who could relate so that's a huge goal whenever it's safe to do so and I want to record a full length LP in a proper recording studio. Um, and with I want to on, <laughs> yeah, with a click track <laughs> in time. <laughs> um, and I want to record something that could be worthy of that CCM Grammy, because I think that's like, I know that's a really lofty goal, but that's just something that I feel very inspired and called to pursue because I think for artists, a lot of what we do is to extend comfort to others. But I, for me, it's also been to like extend comfort retroactively to like my 15 year old self, 16 year old self who just felt so alone and misunderstood. And I, I feel like that would just be almost like a fulfillment in that journey in a sense. So those are some things that are on my heart right now. We'll, we'll see if any of them come to fruition, but answer your question, Matt. Uh, it has been stressful, and I am figuring it out. <laughs> that's that's okay for it to be stressful, of course, but it's just the to be able to onboard it carefully with an awareness. Now it's it's just kind of there's so much there's so much that people see about Christian music now. Like it's had its history in a way that it can be it can be seen more 
eyes wide open now and mm -hmm. you bring an element to it that's more like i mean don't let me put words in your mouth but it's more than music obviously and do you see it all the way into you're using music for another purpose or it's activism like it's is it is music a, a tool or is it primary for you well me like music and songwriting is uh that would regardless of if i was even putting out music that's just what's in my head so that's like that's sort of just how i navigate the world choosing to record some of the things that i'm i'm writing on a in a christian lane is a form of uh activism care and ex and just an extension of myself as an artist um to fill a gap that i i think has been unaddressed for far too long um and it's not for lack of a desire it's just for lack of it of the industry allowing perspectives like mine to exist so I'm 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 really excited to see where things go, but I also want to be really honest with my songwriting. I know that not every song that I write is about Jesus and about my faith, but I know that a lot of it is. So I just want to I'm trying to just be as authentic as I can and some of that is going to be within the Christian lane and so be it and some of it might also follow a different path as well. It's just that I I want to be clear that I, you know, there's no division in me as a person. I'm a queer Christian. It's not that I'm a Christian over here and I'm queer over here. And I think that the Christian music industry would very much like for me to just be like, oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a Christian, but like, you know, maybe I'll write about it, but I, I won't mess with, with what they have going on. It's like, no, there, yeah. it's uh, worthy of reproach. Do you think you'll do additional types of media? Because that would be, from my point of view, you have a really good, uh, uh, you have really good ability to engage things and do new things that aren't by formulas. And there's so much more opportunity in media, you mm. know, from video to film to just other types of things that strikes me that you might be good at taking that authenticity approach and you're doing more than just music with that same approach. Yeah, no, I'm, but, I'm totally open to it. I think that, um, I love working in the unscripted space. I love working in like documentaries almost as like a, like like hosting makes it sound a bit more like e-news i don't mean in that regard i mean like uh how uh i don't know um do you know w kamau bell on cnn he does united shades of america like i love that sort of style of hosting and i love um engaging with people in that regard um the podcast space i think is really exciting my wife and i have a weekly podcast so what is it called I, it's called under our roof and it's a mess but it's so fun <laughs> the it's best just, ones are it's yeah, it's like we didn't want to get to, you know, we didn't want to get political or I think a lot of queer representation can be steeped in heaviness because unfortunately a lot of us have to go through that to come into ourselves. So our podcast is we just wanted to make it like about an out 40 minutes to an hour a week with us just talking about like what we're having for dinner, like weird things our dogs have done, bizarre obsessions. Like right now I'm really obsessed with Reba McIntyre and that's what we're talking about on the podcast. Like that's it. Because oh, yeah. I didn't have, I mean, really, what am I not? <laughs> well, her role in Tremors alone is good. Is, is, yeah. is, that's, that's it. But just to have like a very positive, simple representation of like a gay marriage, because I didn't have that. Like I, when yeah. I looked gay marriage up, it was like Ellen and Portia, which are, you know, good for them, but they're yeah. multimillionaires. I don't relate to, it's yeah. hard for me to, it's hard for anyone to relate to a multimillionaire. So I think 
something I, I, I really like the question, Matt, of just, you know, would you want to get involved in other media? I think it's important if you feel stable and secure enough um, to put yourself out there because I know that the representation is needed. Well, I was thinking about the question that Matt asked about how did you kind of intentionally put out this record in the Christian lane as a form of protest or like as a form of activism? I think it's just interesting that just being your your authentic self and telling your true story is automatically radical in the Christian space simply because you are queer. Mm. And like you, the fact that there is a space that needs to be filled where you just hear about average like queer couples doing normal everyday couple shit. Like that is like life, like mind blowing to people sometimes. Like I think that's, that's something I think about often, but I think that's what makes what you're doing even more important, you know? Well, I hope so. Well, that's why I think you're exactly right. It's, It's so valuable because I, I really do believe that a lot of Christians are good deep down inside, but they've been fed this line of this is, you know, toe the party line in a sense. They've been fed that this is what you have to do. And this is, and so homosexuality, like to my family, all they can think is it must just be insane, crazy lifestyle, the wildest sex ever. It's in, it, why, you know, it's just, you can't, it can't, it can't be anything good because, uh, you know, because what I have experienced, it has to be so much different. And so to be able to show folks, wait a minute. We got, we ordered a pizza and they're sitting at home on a Friday night. That people did, can relate did, to that. Like, where do they that, even the get idea. pizza from? Where do they sell gay pizza? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, how but does that even work? Like, like my like somebody like my my family, my uh, you know my mom and my dad, or they they just they weren't explained anything. It was just only taught to them as uh, completely opposite of everything yeah. you know. But it's not. That's not that, yeah. that's not the case. So th- people really need that. They need the normalcy of like, oh wait, oh yeah. I know what that's like to sit down and you know and watch uh, the Netflix with my wife. I oh, yeah. I'm with you there. I love that show or something. You know, the, offering that well, to people is really valuable. I agree. I, I think ultimately, just serving as a reminder that we have far more in common than we have different, yeah. and we it, it is that like we've been fed a lie about so many marginalized and oppressed communities that like don't even try to relate, don't even try to understand or to extend um, help aid curiosity to their experience because you'll just, it's just depraved. And that's why visibility is, is huge. And especially living in LA, sometimes you feel like, no, we've done it. We're we, like, our neighborhood is so gay. Like where we live is like real gay. <laughs> there's like really sweet, like there's this old lesbian couple that's lived on the corner since like the seventies. And they bought their house for like, $70,000 or something oh like back, back way back then. Wow. And they moved over from like the East coast because there was word that California was like more liberal or whatever. And so we have those couple, like we have that couple and then we just, everyone is super, super gay. So sometimes you can forget that in like the U S is huge. And there are whole swaths of the country where people I know because my parents, these are the area where my parents live now, like might not ever know a gay person besides me you know, and then there are other within their own friend group, they'll never know a queer person or um, a trans person or anyone that identifies within the LGBTQ plus umbrella that is a little different from how they live their life. And so it's so easy to believe the lies that there's this, there's this wide range of, of uh, immorality and difference. Um, and that's why it's just important to 
if it's safe for you to do so, because in many places it's not safe to just be open about who you are and to own that because it can be really powerful in just transforming the hearts and minds of people who were fed lies and it's not their fault, you know? That's why I think it's a journey. Like it's all about, it. it, it the way that we combat ignorance is through education and it's hard and it can be really painful, but it has, it's a process that has to happen. And I'm a person who has the privilege of um, stability and that has afforded me a level of patience and I need to extend that to people. Yeah. I, I was thinking uh, when you're talking about even your gear setup, I promise you there are so <laughs> many just uh, straight Christian guys out there that are doing the exact same thing and would just love to talk to you about your setup and how you, cause they're doing the same thing in their bedroom, recording their music and you doing what you did is like a hero to them, but, but they haven't been able to get there because of, of, of gay or homosexuality, you know, like, I mean, they can't like, they can't get past that one hump, but only because they were told that, but they have so much in common. I mean, I promise yeah. you, I've talked to yeah. so many dudes that do exactly what you're doing and would love to like, you really would be a hero to them. Like, oh my gosh, you recorded that in your bedroom and you did it this, oh my, that's so awesome. And it sounds so good. I mean, they would be blown away, but there's this thing that they were taught that made them think that maybe they had to stay away. And they don't even know that, like you said, you said, and this is exactly true, so much more in common. Golly, yeah. if you could talk about all the things you had in common, yeah. you couldn't believe how little the thing you don't might not have in common even it was, you know, it would be so minuscule. You would have so much more trust and authenticity and friendship and uh, mm -hmm. stories to tell and all that stuff. It's really crazy. Like I was just thinking about that. How many guys right now are in their bedroom recording something on the same mic you are with, with Ableton and going, you know, I wish I could do this. You know, they would be blown away by what you've achieved. There's a real thing there that's kind of sad, which is that the people that are not able to do that well are very inhibited people. Right. Do you know what I mean? So there's a, and they've been told so much what they can't do. That one of the things they can't do, I'm not making fun of, is really put themselves out there in a song right. that mm -hmm. can be vulnerably. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're, or if sonically, you're you know? repressed, then how yeah. are you going to do the work that's needed to write a good song? Because, in or I mean, the best songs, I think, are when people are just like bearing it all. And they, and, and really, I think you can tell um when an artist like knows themselves you know that feeling where there's an artist who maybe has an amazing singing voice or is an incredible musician but there's something when you like watch them where it's like something isn't clicking it's like i feel like you don't really know who you are what you want to say yet and that's, that's like most, most thing. christian artists I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> just but gonna I be like i was like chris tomlin hill song mm. Wait, Chris Tomlin has this one song that's so good, though. I remember hearing it. At somebody YouTube. else wrote it. <laughs> I should have name dropped, but there was there was like this one song. I remember hearing it at youth group in high school. Even back then, being like, "Damn, this is good, though. This one's good. <laughs> this one's good." I have to hand it to him. Not all of them, but this one. It's a. Uh, uh, you done the sin of my heart, and you know them by name. Oh you yeah, are that one. It's fucking good. I can't lie. <laughs> um, anyway, um, but no, I think that I, I think that th what we see with a lot of the, the 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 doctrine, the fruit of like puritanical white Western Christianity in this country, is that it it like steeps into people and they start repressing parts of themselves because if you admit because of the shame and the guilt and you don't want to um, be held accountable for like normal human behavior and thoughts. Um, 
So you don't want to admit any of it. And so it really does like stifle you, I would imagine as a songwriter, because you're only allowed mm -hmm. to tap into right. a certain part of yourself. I remember speaking to the lead singer of Jars of Play and he was talking about certain words they couldn't even use in a song. So you're already just that, just in that micro example, you're limiting what you can say about right. your faith, about the yeah. divine, about, about creation. I mean, how are you going to write a good song? It's, it's almost like it's, it's crazy, but the uniqueness of a writer or a person or personality or persona that we all connect to, it ha it almost seems like there's only really one real style that anybody could have. And if you haven't, if, if there's some reason you can't do that, and I think worship music is a good example, you're kind of on purpose, like inhabiting a, a more universal thing for multiple people or somebody that's not exactly you or you're talking about Jesus, but it's you pretending like you're talking about somebody you're sexually attracted to. Yeah, it, yeah. There's an element of like, you can't just say what you think. So you can't actually get there. You and if there's a, art, know, then it's not art. If you can't be honest. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, and that's why I think there's so, so many of those folks end up being, you know, especially in the Christian world, hidden, and have a lot of issues and and struggles and anxieties and stuff like that. I mean, I've talked to so many people, like you said, behind the scenes that you know, even even the little bit that we've done, push the littlest bit of boundaries we've pushed. I just think people think, uh, man, I wish I could be like that, free. Yeah. Like, but this is it. I mean, you're talking about God here. You can't be free yeah. when talking about our God and what you think. Like, there's no art in that. And so that's why I think yeah. people really resonate with your album, Grace. Because there really is real art there. I mean, people yeah. feel feel what you're singing. Like mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about when we were talking earlier. It might be better it, to me. Uh, you know, I write lyrics for our band, or whatever. I, I would almost rather be remembered as a storyteller than a musician. I, mm -hmm. I want like uh, when I think about like like my all time favorite artist Dave Bazan, right? Pedro the Lion. I just always thought about him as a storyteller, and then I got the oh man, the cool parts of his music. You know, what I mean, first right. was this story. Oh my God, he's explaining something to me that I I would never have thought of, and it's so right. clear. And or, or I'm I'm having to wrestle with this, and and then also, man, that's a fucking kick ass drum beat he just did. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, Dave Bazan can play drums like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like I just thought he's a guitar player and a weird singer or something. And and to be able to pull that, like you get all the bonuses of the music and the art there, but the storytelling is is just the most impactful. And I think that's what I, I mean. I'm sure that's what is that what people are telling you? Like they just resonate because the stories you're telling, right? I think so. Yeah. And and I think also speaking candidly, just like you were saying about if you can't talk openly and honestly about God, then which, you know, as Christians were, were raised to believe there's only true freedom in Christ, right? Freedom in Christ. Yeah. That's what you hear about. And then you are become saved or whatever that means, or quote unquote, you like come into religion or you come of age. And then that freedom is like, <laughs> Like yep. it's like kind of stripped from you. Yep. Um, and I think that that's because I'm an independent artist and because I've done this in such kind of a rogue punkish way. Um, I was able to fully and freely express my thoughts on the divine. And I think telling stories about how I arrived at that point is what um, I'm hearing that like people seem to like re relate to. And I think maybe um, is perhaps like refreshing to hear in that genre. Yeah. I, hope, yeah. I don't know that may, I don't want to be like overly complimentary of myself, but like, I think that because I was uninhibited by any, there was no label, there was no mm -hmm. manager, there was right. no nothing being like, Oh, maybe don't swear. Maybe don't use a she pronoun when referring to God, because yeah. that's 
a major part of my deconstruction was like, why did we decide that God was yeah. a man? Like that's right. if, if, you know what I mean? Like the great beyond and all these questions that you ask, it was like, yeah, that, I mean, it's a comforting thing for me when I say the Lord's prayer and I do typically use he, him pronouns, but I also now have like checked in that like, but I know that there isn't a man on the cloud. <laughs> like I have to yeah. like check and be like, I need to like level up right. <laughs> a little bit, but I'm not praying to a cloud God with like, like, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you familiar with King's Kaleidoscope? I, you know, I haven't listened to enough of their stuff, but I've been meaning to like check it out more because people have been recommending them mm -hmm. to me. You talking about how, and kind of what we talked about earlier about you didn't have to like basically come from that restricted space into the open space. Right. Um, King's Kaleidoscope is a good example of they, they did come from the restricted space a little bit where I think Chad Gardner was, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt and Toby, but was he a pastor at some point? A worship he was leader. at Marcella, worship, okay. worship leader, yeah. And I remember being in the BC Club especially whenever um, he released or they, they released an album and there was a, a cuss word in it. And mm -hmm. it was like the internet broke because, and he was like, <laughs> I think that song in, in particular, I might be misremembering, but was about like I think the loss of his son maybe mm -hmm. and so he's discussing like real raw things and how that made him question his Christianity or maybe even brought him closer to God and yet like because of that one word he already you know they had to face all this backlash for that mm. but at the same time I think they have garnered such a really dedicated fan base because they're like okay we're making like real honest shit now yeah and we're still christian like we're still a christian group we still sing about god but like this is the real shit you know yeah. i bet people were thrilled honestly i felt yeah. it probably was like a catharsis i people get so hung up on cursing and swearing mm -hmm. and i'm like you know i said the whole thing about like the mission trips are scams and their pastors making bank in hollywood but that do you, where's like when when i've seen reviews about the record it's typically been like it's you're talking about that, that are that are negative it's like right. gay and swearing gay and swearing like yeah. there's no sort of place for that here but i'm like but let's talk if, if you're more upset about the swearing than the fact that like we need to be talking about the transactions of money in church with a capital c and how we're not allocating funds in ways that i think is christ-like if you're not talking about modern day colonialism in the form of mission trips you're not upset by that it's the f-bomb yeah. then i think we have misplaced priorities mm -hmm. and no wonder people are fleeing from this faith community, because you read the, the the gospels, you look at the life of Jesus, and this, and, and it's inconsistent totally with what we're seeing from mainstay huge Christian churches, and like all the ones that are like really highly platformed on Instagram and whatever. It doesn't. It's not. It's not making sense. Yeah. yeah. And that's and and it's like very confusing to me that. I mean, maybe it's not confusing, but it's such a deflection of like, you're going to focus on the fact that I have a wife and I swore rather than anything else that I'm talking about here. Yeah. The yeah. point was I so big and yet you still missed it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I was a huge target. I would love for Gospel Coalition, it's not to name drop them, but like the, to like, because I really don't care, but like to talk about that. But the whole time they were like, she's too sad. Like she's right. sad and gay. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is another reason, funny enough, why I think the BC Club loves you so much is because 
most of the BC club strictly listens to Julian Baker and Phoebe Bridgers. And so oh I feel like you're like the Christian, them. you fall in that category, you know, we're all just fucking sad and stuff. Yeah, we're just sad. <laughs> They're just, they're just sad Christian. It's the sad Christian club. That's what it is. Absolutely. Grace, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. This is, has you. been really yeah. awesome. Uh, we wish you the best of the luck for sure. Uh, you'll be in our prayers. Where can, uh, where can folks find you? Where do you want to send anybody listening to find out more about your music and stuff? Yeah, um, you can listen to me on Spotify. Um, check it out, Semler, S-E-M-L-E-R. My record's called Preacher's Kid. Um, listen to it. Uh, tell a friend. And thank you so much for having me on and for creating this space. It's uh, very significant. I think spaces like this would have been very, uh, would have changed a lot of things for persons like myself growing up uh, to have a conversation. So it, it's very cool what you're doing. Appreciate awesome. it. Thanks, Grace. We, we appreciate thank your you. time and focus very much. Yep. Yeah, that was awesome. Let me tell that whole King's Kaleidoscope story. I got the details Ooh, tell on me. it. If you want to know that yes. one, that is a good one, actually. I, I love Chad Gardner. I will never forgive myself for missing the. BC Christmas party because I heard he was there, the one in Seattle. Oh, I'll yeah. never forgive myself for that. Yeah. <laughs> they sang us some Christmas. Song. I was broken in college, so I didn't have a choice. <laughs> so on that one, the song is called "A Prayer." So the song is a prayer. It's a prayer about Chad's uh, loss of the, their first kid, uh, and the line in it is the, the that I think the line in it is my fear is fucking violent. So it's the F word and in the prayer yeah. to God about losing his kid. And it's my fear is fucking violent. And every body on earth so told him just don't. Yeah. After he wrote it and did it. And it was still way before it was put out. Mm -hmm. And it was a big nope from mm -hmm. everybody. Yeah. And so there was a time when he was trying to figure that out and getting advice and stuff. And as far as I know... It was nope from everybody, including a lot of people. I mean, some of the people in the band liked it, but some a lot of the people in the band said, no, you can't. We just won't. Yeah. Um, the label, it was Tooth and Nail at the time, and they were big on nope. They were going to let him do whatever he was going to do, which is great. Tooth and Nail's that way. But it was, right. you just don't, though. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you and can, then, but like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, even his, and even his closest friends and some people that he even writes lyrics with, like, people deeply... Connected with like it's probably just not worth it, dude, or yeah. whatever. Even God, yeah, God told God him, was like, yeah. no, do not, <laughs> do not do this, Chad. Now, if I, I, I would like it's fine to correct if anybody else could support it or whatever. But as far as I know, I'm I am the only person that said you, but you cannot take it out no matter what. That I, I believe that say, no matter what you cannot take that out. You will people, regret it. It would be you guys that were like. Why would you take that shit out? <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, and he wasn't, I mean, and it was a hard choice. And they, even with Tooth and Nail, I think they made both versions. And there's, I think they even put both on Spotify. So there was like, mm -hmm. we'll make a version without it for people that just don't want to hear it. But I was like, what are you going to say? Uh, you know, is, were you going to replace fuck, uh, my fear is fucking violent there with uh, very? Sloppy wet kiss, you know, like oh, hell. like super duper violent. Like what would be yeah. the right lyric? That just made no sense to me, right. you know. And so he did it. And then when they did do it, of course, the internet exploded. And of mm -hmm. course, then right after that, they got dropped from Creation Festival because yeah. of yeah, it. Even though Creation that. Festival sent the thing saying, uh, with the, it wasn't even in a set list. And then if it was in there, it said we, they would do the edited version because it existed. Yeah, and it was just you're you're not on the festival, it, it, you know. And then. Right. The, the right after that, the 
guy that runs the creation festival turns out to be a pedophile. Right. Oh, good. So, right. so uh, that's that, just great. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, obviously, it turned out good and stuff. It was but the right they, choice for them because they it, that was the truth. Yeah, when you come along thing. and Absolutely. you're and it's real, and that's the, right. you know, that's you the moments where, that. yeah, right, yeah. I mean, yeah. and but he lost band members, band oh, members. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, people that were in the band said they couldn't stand by, and they didn't even continue to play music with him anymore in the band that played on that recording. That's awful. And it's just yeah. you just do what you got to do, and then that's is what it is. I mean, I think he's he's still doing great now. I know that they've been doing some online stuff lately. Yeah, good. Yeah, he's doing those online concerts as good as anybody. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, I did hear though that I mean, now that they did tell the truth, they've influenced so many people. I heard the. Did y'all hear the latest Jeremy Camp single? He goes, "I'm dang angry." <laughs> so dang angry. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I mean, that hits that Jeremy. Man. That's that Jeremy his- Camp boy. He's stepping out. <laughs> Speaking of, I gotta, I gotta see his movie. <laughs> oh yeah, he's had a movie after yeah. the. Uh, who was it that made the mo- the money in that big movie? The uh, I can only imagine. I yeah, think. that's the biggest I can movie. Only imagine. Yes, think, whatever that one was, that when, guy made unreal. They told us how much he made. It was yeah. when we went to William Morris because they were going to represent the Bad Christian Podcast yeah. or something. They had this big meeting and they had all these big wigs in and they had the stuff up on the board and they were talking about that me- that and like how he made it was something like thirty million dollars or yeah, something. Yeah, he had to put up the lead singer. Had to put up his own money. Mercy he, me. Yeah, I yeah. think that's who it is. Like he, he owned the it, rights to it and yeah. funded it, and then wound up made like thirty million dollars. I know he made Jeez. unreal money. Yeah, and so they like, were then like, we're gonna make a Jerry Camp movie. You know, it's just like it's Hollywood. You yeah. know, it's just yeah. but it's this o- Find other one thing al- that works and make thirty of them. Yeah, there's this yeah. weird alt Hollywood for Christianity, but it feels like Hollywood in a way. Yeah. But it's Christian Hollywood, if you if that makes any mm-hmm. sense at all. No, but yeah. it kind of exists. <laughs> I was getting ready to say what? Oh, what if there's a Christian movie of bad Christian? But I just don't even want to. I just don't even go. That's a bad idea. I don't know what the. Just talking I don't know about the your storyline the whole fucking time. Jeez. It'll just yeah. Who knows what? <laughs> Who knows? One day it will. One day. All right. Well, uh, you bastards out there, join the BC Club. There's a great group of folks in there, and uh, they'd love to meet you. If you've been listening to episodes like this for free, well, why don't you support us a little bit? Give up that coffee. Uh, give up some of that caffeine. Speaking of for, Hollywood, yeah. Christian Hollywood, give me your money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you don't, then I'm going to use some Christian fuck yous. Yeah. <laughs> join the BC Club, please. All right. See y'all. <laughs> 